Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Well, 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 a special edition of Inside Curling. It's our candlelight edition, okay? <laughs> Hi again, everybody. It's Jungle Jim Jerome coming at you very late at night with uh, the one and only World Curling Hall of Famer Kevin Martin and, of course, World Curling Hall of Famer Warren Hansen. Kevin, you and I stay up this late, but I didn't think Hansen would be able to keep his eyes open this late. But uh... <laughs> Jim, I don't sleep. Okay, I know you don't. <laughs> uh, I say candlelight because we, uh, we just f- finished wrapping up the Friday day of curling in Grand Prairie. It is the Grand Slam of curling event. It's the uh, second one of this season. It started Tuesday. It is the Hearing Life Challenge up in Grand Prairie. This is kind of a cool event. There's 64 teams all together, which are split into two tiers, Tier 1 and Tier 2, 32 teams in each tier. Kev, there's a lot to talk about. You're going to do that as well. You sat down with Rachel Holman, so we'll get to that at the end of the show. But first, Kev, bring us all up to speed on what's going on there in Grand Prairie. Oh, boy, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, there's so much going on. Now, let's start with the men's Tier 1. Let's start with the tie break, because there's tie breaks on the women's uh, side as well. So you've got Kevin Cooey against John Epping tomorrow morning, starting at 8 a.m., Mountain oh, time, <laughs> and the winner of that game is going to go up against uh, Joel Retornaz of Italy in the one quarter final. We've got Matt Dunstone playing against uh, Yannick Schwaller. Retornaz actually went four uh, 0 in this event. They're just curling amazing, and that's one side of the men's tier one. The other side of the men's tier one, Nicodine four and taking on Reed Carruthers. Two and two. Reed Carruthers at two and two got into the quarterfinals clean because of uh, the draw of the button. On his last draw of the button, Jim, he had to be within 25 centimeters of the button. It was Jason Gunlickson, his third, who threw it. Otherwise, that would have brought Kevin Cooey into the quarters, and Carruthers would have been in the tiebreak. So it's really kind of fun when you're in the building watching. Uh, Brad Gushu at 4-0 against Bruce Mowat, and they're going to have to play again tomorrow in the quarters. Mowat at 3-1 and out of Scotland. That's what's going on in the men's tier one. The women's tier one, Jim, there's three tiebreaker games tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. So there's four sheets of ice. All four are going to be going. Nice. So we've got Kerry Anerson playing uh, Sasuke Fujisawa in one quarter. You've got Holly Duncan and Vrano in another uh, tiebreak. And Kaiser, young team out of Switzerland, against Unji Gim out of South Korea in the third tiebreak. Now, Homan plays Laws. We know that game in the quarters is happening. Mm-hmm. Unjun Kim at three and one, waiting for a tiebreak. And you got Anna Hasselborg waiting for a tiebreak. The men's quarters go on at noon, so they're right after. And then the women's quarters go at 4 p.m. This is all mountain time tomorrow. I'm going to record it. It's at 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, seven. Hanson will be up at 7 o'clock uh, so that's exciting, Kevin. Bunch of tiebreakers. Uh, 
I'm glancing at your picks, and uh, it looks like all these names that you guys are somewhere in there with the exception of one, but uh, that's a little teaser. We'll see how you guys did. Pretty good depth, Kevin, then, if there's all these tiebreakers. Oh, just terrific. Yeah, terrific depth. And that's on the Tier 1 side. You got to remember, Jim, in this event, you've actually got 16 men's and women's Tier 1 teams, but then you've also got 16 men's and women's Tier 2 teams. So this event has two buildings going at the same time and 64 teams. It's just a huge event. It's wonderful stuff. Cool. Uh, Warren, what have you seen so far? What do you like? What don't you like? Well, I'll note some of the things that I've uh, observed, Jim. The one is the return of Mawat. He is back in the fold this weekend after a little bit of an absence in North Bay. Adin is still smoking along. And the two teams, the Canadian teams that did well at the first event of the year, they did well in the first slam, Dunstan and Crothers are both right still in the, the heat of things. So I think that's pretty interesting. And, of course, Brad Gushu is, uh, is still in there, and he's still going well. On the women's side, I thought the return of Hasselberg is right in the mix again this week. And Terranzoni continues just to be outstanding in, in what that team is doing, Atlanta Pets. The real surprise, I thought, uh, on the entire week so far is Botcher. And he's at 0-4. And, and uh, something must be going on with that team. Uh, maybe, Kevin, have you noticed anything uh, happening with them? Well, it seems to be, in my mind, a bit of a, a bit of a chemistry issue right now. I think you've got... Well, all four are tremendous players, but it seems to me that both of the sweepers, they need to be the, the lead sweeper, the main person who, who runs the front end, but they both need to be. So that's something they're going to have to work out on their own is to figure out, okay, like who's going to step back? Who's going to take control? Somebody has to be in charge. And it's kind of like at the T-head too, you know, you've got Brendan Botcher who needs to be in charge. You know, there's a lot of knowledge on that sheet. So it's, it's going to be something that, you know, they're good curlers, they'll figure it out. But it, right now it seems to be not so much, I don't think about, you know, the curlers themselves as far as skill goes, but just the chemistry of the new team and, and the time it's going to take for them to get things, you know, smoothed out. I wonder if the third they got rid of last year, Kevin is looking at it going, oh yeah, you wanted to get rid of me, did you? <laughs> uh, remember, that was big, big news. Brendan botched this event. That's a bit of a lame joke, Warren. But. It's, it's got to be late at night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can do better. I'm keeping it family friendly. Okay, so there's uh, tier one. Uh, tier two, six, like you said, Kev, 16 men's teams, 16 women's teams playing in a separate building. Uh, but of course, up there in Grand Prairie. What do you say, Kev, about what's going on there? So on the women's tier two side, you've got uh, Carrie Galusha and uh, DuPont playing against each other in one tie break. And Skrill and Watling in the other tie breaks. So it's, you know, one thing about this setup is that there's a lot of tie breaks that seem to happen. And on the tier two men's side, you've also got two tie breaks. So in the other building, there's going to be all four sheets going at eight o'clock as well. Full, full building. All eight sheets are going to be going at eight o'clock. On the men's, you've got Cody Hartung out of Saskatoon. Johnson Teo out of Edmonton, Scott Webb, a local team out of uh, Sexsmith, just north of Grand Prairie against Karsten Sturme out of Edmonton. So two more tie breaks to meet the fold. So a full building of curling going on, two buildings of curling going on, 8 a.m. Mountain tomorrow morning. Is this something we're going to see more down the road? We mentioned how unique this is that there's uh, you know, your tier one guys, the everyday guys, the peak guys, and then this second tier was this an experiment that they're going to try and look and see what happens or what, what's up with this? 
Yeah, no, it's been going for a while and very, very popular with the with both the Tier 1 and the Tier 2 players. Now, remember, Tier 1, like if we look at in the Tier 2 men's, for example, Corey Dropkin, who's just in the last slam, just didn't qualify for this one. He's in the Tier 2. Mike McEwen, now that's a household name. He was right. ranked number one in the world for a while. He's in the Tier 2 now. So there are no slouches. Yeah, right. Well, no, you got Kelsey on the, on the women's Tier 2. You got Kelsey Rock. One of the best curlers in the world with a terrific team. Andrea Kelly, Christina Black, like the, you know, they, they made the playoffs and it's just a, a lot of really good players on the tier two side. But the winners of the tier two, they get back in to the main tier one program by winning this event. They'll be playing in the co op Canadian Open in Camrose in January. So it's a huge prize for the winners of the tier two here, Jim. Right. You like the two, the double tier system more? Yeah, without question. I think as this whole thing rolls along, and Kevin and I have talked a lot about it, that we'd certainly like to see that a Tier 2 series of events becomes part of the entire Grand Slam. And I think it's great for curling all over the world because not only are there Canadian players in this thing, as Kevin mentioned, team from Denmark and DuPont, Corey Dropkin from the USA, John Schuster, Olympic gold medal winner from 2018. He was in this Tier 2 thing. Uh, and he didn't qualify, and so there's there's how difficult it is. So I think it's a great idea, and hopefully it can grow and become an ongoing part of not just this one special slam event, but hopefully eventually all of them. Right on. Okay. Uh, so Kev, uh, with tiebreakers, I guess we haven't decided positions and everything, but tell us, Kev, uh, about the teams that have qualified and and what you think going forward, how they'll do in the playoffs. Okay, well, let's start with the men's tier one. A team that is just playing remarkable and they're going, uh, well, just making everything and they're only playing three-handed. Their lead had to do some medical tests for uh, for the military. So he wasn't able to come. So they've got the second, third and, and skip playing, but they are 4-0 playing unbelievably well. So a bit of a shocker. But you know what? These days, I think with the the, the close sweeper doing most of the work and you've got Armand and uh, Mojaner. Uh, just m- massive guys doing the sweeping. I don't even know. It might even be an advantage having those guys throw three rocks each and, and sweeping the rocks like crazy. But that's a team that is on fire right now. Nick Adin, same as last uh, at the Boost National North Bay, just making everything 4-0. and And Brad Gushu is being ridiculous. He's I think he's, guys, 13 wins, only one loss this year. Uh, once again, on fire. And one team that I think everybody should pay attention to, and that's Yannick Schwaller. It's Benoit Schwartz, one of the best players in the world throwing last rocks, uh, and Yannick throwing third on that team. But it's under his name, and that's a team to really watch. That's uh, great players. On the women's side, Terranzoni is ridiculous right now, and Alina Pett's making everything. I really like Unjun Kim, the way they're playing right now. And I, I also like Gim, Unji uh, Gim, like, but they're in the tie break. So you never know. It's always tough coming through tie breaks because you end up getting tired. Mm-hmm. But uh, those are the teams I really like on, on the women's side right now. I, pr- I mispronounce his name with Italy. Amos uh, Mojaner. Mojaner. He might be the biggest curler I've seen in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> like he's just, he's about 7,000 feet tall. He's got uh, huge hands, man. Yeah, he's like so big, that guy. And solid muscle. He's he's absolutely solid muscle, that guy. <laughs> what do you what do you think, Warren, so far of the teams going forward? Well, if I take a look at the men's side, man, I'm just looking at uh, the teams that have qualified at this point, and they're all potential winners. Um, I agree with Kevin. I think Schwaller is a team to watch. Uh, I, I really do. I think with Benoit Schwartz uh, throwing the last rock, that that team has really got some potential. And then you've got Dan in there. You've got 
Mawat in there. You've got Gushu Mawat playing Gushu the first game in, in the playoff on Saturday, which, uh, wow, one of them is going to be gone. So all those teams, I think, are able to come out as the winner, and uh, I think it's just going to be a great finish. On the women's side, Hasselberg didn't do too well in the North Bay event, but she's back in there, and uh, they're, they're always going to be close. And Terrazzoni, who's going to beat her the way that they're going? So I think, again, it's going to be a great finish Saturday and Sunday, and uh, practically anyone that's going to be in those final eight, and both men and women could be the winners. So before we move along to our next thing, I've uh, the reason we're getting the boys to give your picks is because you can bet on curling now, which you probably know about, which I love. And uh, we want to thank uh, our sponsors, including Sports Interaction. Also, we want to thank Cody Tractor, Goldline, and Nestle Boost for bringing you this special edition, candlelight edition of uh, Inside Curling. So, boys, you made some picks. Uh, Kevin, you just said, and Warren will be grinning like a cat. Because you said, you better watch out for this uh, Schwaller team. And then I looked down at your picks, Kevin, and you didn't pick Schwaller. But Hanson did. Yeah. So. (laughs) No, I did not pick Schwaller. I didn't. But they didn't play very well in North Bay. But, uh, boy, are they playing well here. So, you know what? They've got the potential. It's just uh, they just weren't on fire in North Bay. But uh, (laughs) watch out here. They played in the event after North Bay, and they won that one. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, yours were Terenzoni, Einerson, Unji, Gim, and Homan. And, Warren, you picked Terenzoni, Fujisawa, Einerson, and Hasselborg. Are, are you guys even there? Well, I guess we sort of are because uh, two of our picks are in uh, tiebreakers. So, yeah, mine are all still alive. So, we're even Steven. <laughs> hmm. Oh, you're even Steven and the women. Okay. Let's go to the men, and we'll do it one at a time. Both of you are... Brutal with picking Botcher. He's 0-4. <laughs> uh, Kevin, you went on with Kui, Adin, and Guju. And Warren, you went with Schwaller, Adin, and Dunstone. So who wins there? We're tied again, I, I think. Yeah, we're st- still tied. They're all still there except Butcher. That's no good. I want Warren to kick Martin's ass in this thing. <laughs> People are going to start to pay attention to us when they place their bets. That's Go to want. Sports Interaction, boys. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I see uh, what really would have blown this up if I, uh, you guys didn't ask me to pick. I'm very insulted, but I'll do it next, next, next time. So, so there we go. That's what you guys uh, picked. You're all, you're all tied going forward. It's going to be a great weekend. Kevin, you did an interview with Rachel Holman. Uh, that's coming up right now. And uh, you're, you're, you're doing a bunch of these all year, aren't you, Kevin, every week at the Grand Slams? You know what, Jim? It's just been fascinating. Um, curlers, they have a lot, lot going on besides curling. And just in, in their in their life off the ice. And it's so much fun. You know, I always tell the curlers, well, you know, save 10, 12, maybe 15 minutes. Well, most of them go 20, 25, 30 minutes. Because we, you, you get into some topics that you don't real, really realize how much knowledge there is. And it just makes for a fascinating discussion. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And we plan on doing more of them. Well, if I was interviewing them, boys, I would never go over time at all. That would never happen. No, never. Uh, before we go though uh, before we get to the interview uh, boys how about you each pick a couple of teams for the weekend men and women so let's go with uh, let's go with you Kevin well let's uh, step really out on a limb and uh, pick Brad Gushu because he's almost (laughs) missing no shots right now okay and uh, you know I'm going to go with the same finals last week I don't know how anybody can beat Nicodine and and Brad Gushu right now but they're going to have to play in the semi you guys they're on the same side of the draw well you can't do that then that's right. Well, yeah, they can't get to the final, but 
So one you're down one before you be start. Oh, you're okay. down one already. <laughs> Regroup, Martin. We're going to get back to you in a second. Think about what you just did here. Okay, Warren. <laughs> okay, Jim. You're a so, men's team. I'm going to go with Eden and Schwaller. Yep. are going to be my two picks on the men's side. And on the women's side is going to be Terenzoni and Hasselborg. Terenzoni and Hasselborg. Okay. Kev, do you want to rethink your picks for the men? Nope. I'm going to stick with those two. I think one of the two will win this thing. I can't go away from Terenzoni either. There's nothing we can do about that. But I do like the chances of Eunjun Kim winning this thing. There we go. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen that we'll have a... We'll have, we'll have a winner. Okay, enjoy the interview, Kev, that you did with uh, Rachel Holman coming up right now. Again, a big thank you to uh, all our sponsors, uh, Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Goldline, and Nestle Boost uh, for bringing you this special edition of uh, Inside Curling. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Rachel, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, most important thing to talk about, I think, is your drive with your mixed doubles partner from Ottawa. Um, I happen to be sitting beside Karik when you sent a picture. Can you maybe elaborate on the drive and the energy level of your mixed doubles partner? Yeah, um, I don't know if I made him sweep too much this week, last weekend or what, but uh, yeah, he had a bit of a snooze on the way up, but it was a long drive, three and a half hours, and Em and I were chatting, and um, I think his least favorite uh, music is country, so we saw that he was asleep and got to listen to country the whole way up. Let's talk about your new team, obviously. I shouldn't say new team, new member. Um, and then the new positions. I'm really interested in talking about, of course, Tracy Fleury coming on on the crew with Sarah Wilkes and, and Emma, of course. Emma's been with you forever. I guess the first thing I need to ask is, I guess, how did like two of the very best players in the world at Skip get together and decide to go uh, and play the back end together? How, how, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, I think there was a lot of changes over the summer. People wanting to hit the reset button and some people stepping away and um, some people moving on to do other things. And uh, we just thought it was a really good fit. Um, the game's kind of evolved that you need that IQ, that sweeping smarts, the strategy. You need it at every position. Um, and every rock is, is so important in setting up the end and being able to manage rocks as you go up up the lineup is important at every position. And so we feel like we have that with the lineup, with Tracy sliding in, bringing her expertise and her skipping knowledge. I think both of us call a very similar game. She might be... I mean, sometimes it's 50-50, right? And so it's it's nice to just let her take care of that and, and defer to her and work on other parts of the game and, and try and make sure that this lineup is uh, working in, in all directions. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, I've got so many questions to ask about this. Just so everybody knows, so Tracy is holding the broom, calling the game, but you're throwing last ones, so you're sweeping. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've skipped almost your entire life. How much have you swept? Like, how, how new is that for you? 
Yeah, I think I've always swept a lot in practice. Obviously, never in a game. So the nuances of communicating with another person um, is probably pretty new for me. With mixed doubles and that, at least you're sweeping, but you're sweeping alone. So you're kind of on your own island and you don't have to let anybody else know what you're thinking. So uh, that part has definitely been different, trying to make sure communicating not only to Tracy at the the other end, but also with the other sweeper. So that's been definitely a, uh, it's going to be a learning curve over the next couple months. I guess from what the way I look at the game, I always like to be able to watch the rock come down before I put my broom down for my last shot. But it's different for you now. You've always been able to watch your team throw in the other team and, and figure out the ice. And then when it came to your your last important shot, if it's a, a hack waiter or something where you need to know the ice, like how are you going to be able to pay enough attention to all the spots in the ice? How is that going to work for you playing, if you want to call it the third position, and then throwing the last ones? If you're not holding the broom and throwing the last ones. Obviously, everyone and every team throws it a little bit differently. So I think once we get um, really close on the same page, like obviously it's really early and we haven't been able to have a ton of practice together. And there's not a ton of ice right now uh, throughout Canada. So they're slowly putting in ice across Canada and we'll be able to practice a little bit more. But I think once we kind of dial in our throws and I know exactly how her throw is going to react compared to mine, then I think putting that broom down will be pretty simple. I'll be able to see her lines and as well the other team's skip throws as well. So that's definitely helpful that I'm able to see some and then I can watch from the other end. And I've seen Emma throw so often that over top seeing her release and that is just helpful in reading the ice that way from a sweeping perspective on the side. And then as well, you're able to watch some of those rocks from the other end. Um, seeing how they're coming in and things like that. One thing I noticed, uh, I was at the Savile and in the Savile shootout, and I was sitting behind the glass watching your guys' game. I really wanted to try to pay attention to, you know, the team and just how, how everything was going. And I did notice, and then I'd love to know um, how it's going with, I, I believe that I saw Tracy throwing maybe a little more rotation than what she would have thrown in the years past. Because you tend to throw quite a lot of rotation. And Emma and Sarah. So is that kind of by design that, that Tracy's throwing a little bit more rotation than what she normally would have? But that is kind of the way the game's going anyway, isn't it, Rachel? Yeah, I think so. I think the game is going and trending in that direction. And I think every team kind of makes up the formula of what works for them. So I think it's it's really early right now. So we're all fine-tuning our, our deliveries and releases. But finding that, that right rotation for our team is, is something that's going to we're going to continually to work on. Okay, and I really want to talk about uh, Sarah and Emma on the front end. Um, so there are some important studies that, that went on in Winnipeg and, and height of the sweeper for power and angle of the broom angle seemed to make a difference as far as uh, the amount of, of carry and also the amount of directional sweeping that you can do. You've got an incredible, in my opinion, you've got an incredibly strong front end now. Mm-hmm. Muscle to muscle against all the other players in the world. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that advantage you may have having Emma, who's thrown third for you for a thousand years, but now throwing, going in, I believe, second position, Sarah at lead, uh, the strength of your front end. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, I mean, watching kind of Sarah develop over the last couple of years and how much work she puts into the game and um, not just with throwing, but also her strength. And she's just an absolute powerhouse. And then Emma, same thing. And with third, it was kind of like a balance of both. And now that she's kind of focusing a little bit more on sweeping in that, it's, I think that's a huge advantage for us. They both have that back end IQ to be able to help them out as to when, 
you know, sometimes you have to make that judgment as a sweeper, um, how hard to go, when you can go, how long you can wait, tolerance the shot as it's coming down and, and making that judgment is, is really huge and something that you can't really teach. You need those years of experience and that knowledge of, of strategy and what we're trying to achieve. Um, so I think that that's just a huge advantage for the two of them as a, a front end tandem to be able to kind of put the rocks exactly where we want them to. Sure. So, so to expand on that a little bit, you've got the, the, Let's say new front end. I know they're not new, new, but moving different positions. Sure. Um, and then Tracy. So I'd love to hear about your schedule this year and then looking forward to the uh, quad. Just because you've got a new player and everybody's new positions and new jobs and, and all these things, responsibilities on the ice, are you going to play more this year? But it is a first year of a, a quadrennial. So what is your plan that way? Yeah, I think we have about an average schedule. I don't think we're playing a ton. I think the last four years was uh, a lot on everyone with COVID and everything that happened, whether it was kids or some stressful times. And so I think that for us, we're not going to kill ourselves playing and being gone and away from our families every weekend. And we're kind of trying to find a balance between that home family life responsibility and being able to also compete and be competitive on the road. I'd like to get more a little bit into the business uh, part of the game for you. You've been playing at the highest level for a very long time now. You're extremely strong on social media as a team. You're on there, not you personally, but the whole team <laughs> is on there all the time. Like I follow you guys, of course. Do you have, when it comes to sponsorships, um, is there an agent involved, PR people, people to help with this incredible amount of social media? How, how does that work? I, I'd, I'd love to know. I just don't think everybody in, you know, that uh, pays attention um, to curling from the very highest level, how does, it, how does it work? Because you're on there all the time. I think that social media is, is pretty powerful for branding and making sure that we stay connected to our fan base and family and friends um, and just kind of having fun with it because they see such a serious side on the ice. And sometimes you kind of have had some some questionable <laughs> things kind of asked uh, towards us and we just want to show like we do have a lot of fun on the road and yes it's a business and we take what we do really seriously on the on the ice just like any sport but there's also some opportunities to have fun and travel and we really are love what we do and we're just grateful and thankful for the opportunities that we have definitely never want to take any of this for granted you never know when your when your last slam is going to be uh so we we just want to make sure that we're having fun and kind of giving some insight to our our fans and our friends and being able to showcase our sponsors a little bit more because commercials and things like that are not as prevalent you can record stuff skip ahead and just being able to support our sponsors that allow us to do what we do and uh, traveling and, and supporting us financially to be able to compete and go on the road um, we're just really appreciative of that and want to be able to show it i think you're doing a great business job actually <laughs> um you're, you're everywhere all the time so fantastic i really wanted to ask about that because your team you're really strong at that and i just didn't know why so thank you very much the uh the new event you played in in fredericton um and i wanted to ask you there's been so many messages sent to to inside curling to, to us about the no extra end and just i guess being able to make sure of when the end of the game will happen from uh, podcast or podcast streaming and, and broadcast point of view right. your thoughts on having just a shootout at the end and not extra ends, first of all. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's ideal um, from like a curling perspective. For baseball, you wouldn't just like next one to hit a home run wins instead of extra innings. 
it would, it's kind of the similar to curling where because of the way that the game goes, usually you're throwing on one side of the sheet and the other side's left for probably at least half an hour. Um, and if you go and try and throw on that side, it's, it's pretty tough. It's a pretty tough guess. You saw the, some pretty brutal guesses. Um, and to, for the game to come down to a guess on that one side is pretty challenging. Um, I know it, it makes maybe a lot of sense for TV and maybe for fans. I'm not sure if they enjoyed that or not, but it was definitely uh, difficult for us, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. I should have mentioned that um, it, with the no extra end, ha- the team that would have had the hammer normally mm-hmm. um, would choose which side they got to throw on. Yeah, which was news, yeah, to us. So it's new to everybody. It's <laughs> yeah. a brand new thing. I should have mentioned that earlier, and that's what uh, Rachel's alluding to with, okay, you don't have hammer any extra. There hasn't been a rock thrown on one side of the sheet. The other side's been played. The team that could have hammer is played on the 15-second side. The other side is X. Who knows? 13, 14, yeah. 12 and a half. Nobody knows the speed. So, mm-hmm. so great point. Thank you. Yeah, I think if maybe both teams got to throw on the same side, then it would probably be more representative of being two teams being able to try and make that really good but still it is tough to come down to to one shot yeah. mm-hmm. right rather than a whole end yeah um i'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, they had two halves timing wise i think it was 19 minutes i could be wrong i think it was 19 minutes per so, half yeah. your thoughts on that because we did talk last year i'm not sure if i talked to you about it rachel or not of time per end and yeah. instead of the whole game, now a half. Okay, half or even uh, time per end. Your thoughts on that? Because I, I think we're getting close to that in the sport to okay. control the to control the amount of time from start to finish. Your thoughts on, first of all, what you played with in Fredericton at the points bet event at 19 minute half, and I'd like to hear your thoughts at the end as to per end. Yeah, I think I didn't really notice much of a difference between the full game or a half. I mean, if the team in the beginning had more time, was able to carry it over, then I feel like that's kind of a disadvantage for them because they played quickly for the first half. Um, but it didn't, like, we played two games and I would have never known that the time was any different than it was. Didn't really affect us too much. Fast team. Um, well, and we, I think we just played that about that pace. Like, I think we had an extra minute after the first half and we're f- I mean, the first game ended early and the second game came down to the last couple seconds. So if we, yeah, for sure, I think the halves didn't really make much difference for us. I didn't notice a difference yet, but I mean, we only played two games, so it's hard to, hard to get a sense for that. Yeah, um, it was a single knockout event in uh, in Fredericton, which is kind of unusual as well for curling. Mm-hmm. We have played in a per-end event in the past. The World Cup in Shanghai was four and a half minutes an end, I think. And that was definitely stressful a couple times. It was more like last end more often um, because sometimes an end is complicated and it's nice to have that extra time and it's still good for TV. Like it, I don't think a team should be punished for an exciting end. I think that's, that's great TV. And I think, yeah, if you start kind of whittling down on time, then teams might be more inclined to, to just keep it open and would might be less interesting. I think for TV and that, that the, the time clock's, been okay I, I don't know what were your thoughts on it yeah it's just a changing. matter of I guess looking at it right from a halves which I thought was reasonable reasonable sure. and then it, and I think kind of a natural progression will be per end mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if we need to be that fast or maybe we do and yeah. that was kind of my point in asking you one other thing that this may be the last topic here Rachel uh, one thing I was really excited about at the uh, event in Fredericton run by Curling Canada but you got to wear your 
years long uniform. You weren't given unique uniforms or, or were you? You were allowed to wear your normal uniforms, weren't you? We weren't, no. We had oh. to get custom jerseys made for that one event. Why? Conflicting sponsors. Ah, so there's some saved sponsorship. Uh, so you were, as long as you didn't have any uh, overlapping sponsors, you could wear your uniform. Otherwise, you had to get them made to comply with. How many uh, sponsors were, were saved? Um, we, ha- we had to remove title. Cool Bet from our jerseys, yeah. Okay, no, that's Because really... Points Bet was the title sponsor, yeah. Because so, I thought, you know what? Maybe that opens the door for wearing normal uniforms all year round, other than a world championship or the Olympics, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, maybe be able to wear your normal uniform all the time. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and take take it one step further, home and away, kind of a white-based, light-based, or a dark-based, so that when you play another team, you don't have the same kind of color uniform. (laughs) So your thoughts on, first of all, expanding the game so you can wear your uniform all the time, the the Holman brand uniform <laughs> all the time in home and away. Yeah, I think that would be great. Um, a lot of teams already have kind of different colored uniforms. Um, and I think it's more superstition <laughs> for that reasoning as to why you're wearing darker lights. Um, but yeah, I think that would be great to distinguish on TV because sometimes when you have the same color, people get confused. Um, I've even watched some games and <laughs> it just looks like the same Jersey. I'm, I'm totally uh, in agreement with that. And yeah, I think it would be great if we could wear our sponsors for the whole year. I think that would be great. I mean, our sponsors pay for what we're able to do and being able to travel and come to these events. And we want to be able to support them in every event that we're in. So well, it just seems to make great. so much sense. Like, you know, we, we talked just a few minutes ago about how much work you guys do as, as your team with social media and building the, the home and team brand. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, everybody knows your brand now because you're on there all the time. But then you go to certain events and, well, wait a minute, that's, 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 you're wearing other stuff. <laughs> like, well, what's, what's, what's going on? Yeah. And that, that's my point is that, you know, the teams and the marketing group behind them work so hard to build the brand. And then you go to certain events and you can't wear your stuff. I kind of, I hope that maybe because the event in Fredericton uh, allowed uniforms, maybe that's the start of something new. Yeah, that would be great. And even the way that sponsorship is sold in in curling and in Canada, that uh, we can implement that. I mean, every other sport has it. So it would be great if we could continue to represent the sponsors that support us throughout the whole year um, and not just for certain events, right? Like they're still supporting us and sometimes we're not able to showcase that. And there are rules in place in that and we understand that uh, there are stipulations here and there, but absolutely that would be phenomenal if we could support them. Well, thank you very much for taking the time, Rachel. Good luck. Thank you so much, yep. Kevin. Appreciate and, uh, it. Yeah, have a great season. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, before you go, lots of curling action this weekend up in Grabber. What's the weather like up there, Kev, by the way? Actually, it's been pretty nice so far. Yeah, a little a little bit of a cool breeze, but not bad. Yeah, good. It's cold down here. And I don't want to ask you, Warren. I'm sick of nice weather out there. <laughs> Quarterfinals, <laughs> Eastern, 2 p.m. tomorrow, the men's. 6 p.m. for the women's. Uh, 10 p.m. for the men and women's semifinals. Uh, the final, Sunday, 1130 is the men and the women are going at 3.30 on Sunday afternoon at all times Eastern. So uh, enjoy the curling, everybody. We'll be back next week with another episode. 
of Inside Curling. Take it easy, boys. See you, Warren. See you, Kevin. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy.